Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. I hope I added the right Janet here. I'm not sure. <laughs> this has become one of my favorite parts of the week. I'm so glad I know, we're doing I know. it. Yay. Hey there, everyone. How you doing? Hey, Janet. So, so <laughs> we talked a little bit before uh, recording about maybe just talking about how that intentional relationship in animism has played out in our lives and just kind of let that lead into a conversation about how animism can be intentional and what the uh, the benefit of that might be. Does anybody have a good example of how, you know, maybe it was an intentional part of your week? Well, I was traveling um, week before last or was it part of last week? I don't know. I'm discombobulated still. So uh, I was traveling at some point recently And I have kind of a whole ritual that I go through before I leave when I'm going to be gone for, you know, like more than a day. And I have a ritual when I come home that for me is very um, animistic, I guess. Um, I always kind of go through the yard in my home, my home space, and I tell it that we're going to be away. I tell all the the space around me, indoors, outdoors, that we're going away. I tell it how many sunrises it will be before I come back and just kind of um, express to them my gratitude that they will still be holding things down and um, that I will come back probably changed in some way and I will talk with them about that before I just assume that I get to integrate back into things and that's my coming home ritual is I you know sometimes I can't do it immediately but within 24 hours or so I say I'm back like they didn't know and I walk through again and make sure that I'm still part of the fabric and if I'm not how I've changed and what's changed because here this time of year the weather can be really severe really quickly we can slip into drought really quickly so I just kind of notice those details and ask if I can have my place back in the circle and I love that yeah that's what I've been doing Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a similar routine with um, my office my my home I feel like since starting to work three blocks from my house I get to be in just it feels like almost constant relationship with my living space my office I'm not here every day and I find myself when I'm going through and turning off lights and making sure everything's watered and um, turning off the sound machine and locking up the building I find myself sort of mentally letting the space know when I'm going to be back Like I, you know, I'm Mm going to be, there's also often like a, what's a, what's a group of crows? A murder of crows? I don't, yeah. Murder of crows. Huge (laughs) murder. That sounds terrible. Huge murder of crows that hang out in this space. There are these big, tall pine trees at the back of the parking lot and they love perching up at the top of those trees and watching. 
And I will usually turn to them and even say out loud, I'll be back on Sunday, coming back Tuesday morning. And I know, and this week I live in North Canton, Ohio, which is our nickname is the dogwood city. There are dogwood trees all over town Mm -hmm. and they all burst into bloom this week. And when I pulled in earlier, I posted some video on my um, sky witness Instagram page and Facebook. Um, I pulled in and the whole thing had burst into bloom. And I was just like, well, hello. And the tree was just like, I'm look at me. And I brought shade and like the picnic table, the whole, that whole area looks so different. And it was so nice to stand there for a moment and take in what's different, appreciate how that benefits me, how gorgeous the tree looks, you know, that it looks healthy. I've not been at this office long enough to enjoy that. So it was just a really cool, I feel like those moments are touching in with those relationships. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, and then the benefit to us is not just that relationship, but it's also grounding from a clinical, you know, from my it therapist is. brain, it's grounding. Yeah. I also will do that with my animals. I will tell them that I'm leaving and it's like where I'm going, how long I'm going to be gone and when I'll be back. And not only Max, my dog and Raven, my cat who live inside with me, but I do it the same with the magpies, with the birds around here. I've got a flock of magpies that I call them the Maggies. Um, They're they're the, the birds of the hood and they are so inquisitive and so watchful of everything that goes on that I thank them for watching the house. Now, granted, they're doing it out of curiosity, but they're still watching the house. And for that, I'm very grateful. And Kelly, I loved how you um, mentioned the word circle, that we're working with animism. It's a circle. It's not a hierarchy. Mm-mm, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's, it's different for different people. I think generally speaking, there is no hierarchy, but I, I think there could be cultural flavors from, maybe traditional tribal standpoints that might shade that a bit differently, but yeah. I think it also allows from, from my standpoint, when I think about the everyday relationships, I find that with, when I approach them with more intention and awareness, I'm inherently respecting the things around me more than I did, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm, I try not, you know, I have a, we were talking this week outside of the podcast about um, I have this plant in my office and I tend to give it my leftover like little gulps of coffee because I don't like to just pour it down the drain. And um, the plant now has like this weird variegated brownness to the leaves. And Janet and I talked about me repotting it and maybe it being overly acidic. And, you know, I went yesterday and I cleaned up the soil and I gave it some fresh water and some plant food and just kind of pruned it and everything. And all those leaves feel really healthy. It's, it's weird. I think I just (laughs) threw some color into it or something and it was not having the repotting. It just felt like there was a resounding no there that I had cleaned up, that I had given fresh water and I was just to leave it alone. And I don't think I would, I don't think I approached my relationship with those kind of things or, you know, even more obvious things like trash and recycling mm-hmm. and, and um, mulch and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that's really where it starts. I mean, it's to keep it organic and to keep it flexible because there's a, I mean, 
at least, I don't know, in the American culture, maybe it's a Western thing in general, but we have this tendency to try to shove everything into a discipline. And most definitely the human brain needs training. And this, this perspective is not one that we got to culturally hold on to. We were born into it, but we didn't get to hold on to it. And so we do have to kind of reacclimate ourselves to holding an awareness that the space around us is alive and engaging, but it's not just around us. We're part of it. We are that space. We're every space that we move through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we can kind of get that sort of organic awareness as we move through life, it becomes this this sense of always being connected no matter where you are. And I think that's, that's at least one part of the end game as an animist. I've been watching the mountains that are outside of my bedroom window and they are just incredible. And I'm noticing that the more that I become in relationship with them, that there, there is more to come into relationship with them. And what I mean by that is, I recognize the mountains, of course, you know, from my bedroom, from my neck of the woods. And then if I go to another part of town and I'm looking at the mountains, those same mountains, they look totally different because it's another perspective. It's another side. And it's for me, at this point for me anyway, it's almost like meeting them new. And it's like, well, hello, I know you from this aspect. And now I get to meet you from this aspect. And it's really cool. It is also very dangerous for me to drive around because sometimes I'm watching the mountains more than my driving, which is not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a thought and I, it totally left my brain. <laughs> well, one thing that we talked about in the last episode, you know, we were like, where do you start? You know, where do mm-hmm. you kind of, if, if, if you're a, want to be more aware as an animist or if you have no idea what any of this is but it feels kind of like the right direction to be moving in how do you do that and we kind of left it at you know foremost go outside um at least take a roll call not mm-hmm. just inside or outside but but all of the space that you engage all the time i always tell people to get outside because we don't we just don't i mean for for various reasons some people aren't able to and some people don't prioritize it there there are all kinds of reasons but however you can become more aware of nature do in our contemporary lives it has just as much to do about internal space literally in your structure but also in your body all of the it's, it's all related and so you know how how can we talk about ways to be connected inside, outside, internally, externally, that would be workable for people. Yeah, I was thinking about this um, in, in terms of the outside, inside, that kind of thing. And I think um, it's important to go outside. And I think one of the benefits early on in exploring animism is that everything outside is already in relationship and is already existing with intention, with just inherent intention in a way that maybe our inside space doesn't operate that way. And so I would say in addition to going outside, also be more present when we're inside 
And if we need an example of how to do that, all you have to do is walk outside and look. It's, I mean, nature, you know, outdoor, what we typically think of as nature, what most people mean when they think of nature, plants, animals, the ground, the, you know, all of it, that stuff's all in relationship all the time, not even thinking about it, not, it's not a thing that has to be explored. We're the ones that have kind of complicated it. And, and I was thinking about how I often look at those relationships when I'm indoor, indoors with my, you know, mundane tasks, um, items that I don't always think of as sacred. And I think about, you know, what my, what is my relationship to them? What are they worth to me? What is their importance? Do I treat them with respect? Um, and I think when we're talking early on, and I know when I've talked to people and explained animism, sometimes the relationship and the communication, those, those words feel odd in terms of, quote, inanimate objects. And I think it's important to remember that a relationship doesn't have to be humanized. It doesn't have to be about verbally talking to your coffee table. That relationship and that communication can just be an enhanced or intentional awareness of its existence, taking care of it, being mindful of you know, just the, the purpose it serves for you, but also, you know, tending it as its own thing that we don't have to, you know, I'm happy to talk to everything around me, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't, right. you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're outside and someone's calling the police because you're talking to the bushes, you know, it doesn't have to be that. <laughs> I'm happy to talk to the bushes, but... <laughs> But you could also just look at them, admire them, see if they need pruned or if, you know, are there little nests in them? You know, there's a million, there's a million ways to communicate and have a relationship with something without it going into territory that I think can make people make assumptions about right. you know, weirdness or, you know. Right. Well, one of the base examples that I use when I'm teaching is um, brushing your teeth. Like people, mm -hmm. it's a ritual that everybody does every day, right? I mean, I, I'm hoping that we, we do that at least every day. And, mm -hmm. but they, it's just rudimentary. It's just something that they do because it keeps their teeth happy. But if you bring intention to how you do that, if you bring awareness to how you brush your teeth, to what you're using, to how your teeth feel, maybe even to your individual teeth, I mean, however nuanced it can become, that ritual becomes much bigger when you establish that kind of relationship to it. And, yes. you know, who knew? Who knew? And if brushing your teeth can become a spiritual experience, then the rest of it is just wide open for you to explore. I love that example, too, because I just uh, recently talked about, you know, one of my commitments with Earth Day, I wanted to find something super manageable for me, but potentially impactful. And one of those things was um, switching over to bamboo straws, mm -hmm. super renewable, they're, um, you know, better for the environment. Plastic straws are terrible for the environment. And um, I bought them from a company that also makes um, bamboo uh, toothbrushes. And the bristles can be pulled out when you're switching it out. Everything in all the materials are recyclable. Um, you can reuse the wooden or the bamboo uh, stick or whatever for other things when you're done because you're able to pull out the bristles. 
Um, and then I used to throw away old toothbrushes and now I make sure to hold on to them for scrubbing things or, you know, whatever I can use, I can find for them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kelly, when you first introduced me to that concept of being in connection with brushing your teeth, I heard the words that you were saying, but it's like, it didn't click and it took a while for that to click. And all of a sudden it's like a light bulb went off. I'm going, I know what she means by that. Now I've got it. I am fascinated about when we're inside, how much of the outside can come in. So for instance, now I have my windows open. There are the outside smells of my neighbors mowing the grass. There's the sounds of the birds. There's the bugs that are coming in. And um, we haven't had any mud here for a while, but even if there is mud, that is the outdoor coming in when my dog Max tracks mud into the house. And when I look at it from that point of view, I'm seeing less of a distinction of inside, outside, but more of that connection of we're all together, just happen to be in different places at one point or another. Yeah. I, one uh, other challenge for me in terms of like day to day um, this week was, and I, Kelly, I would love your uh, input on this conversation is um, my daughter is four and she's at that age where she wants to collect nature and keep it for herself. She's all about collections. I need this for my collection. And it's always, you know, dandelions, rocks, sticks. She breaks all the sticks into equal length little segments and makes little piles. Um, she's it. And I, there's an ongoing conversation I'm trying to have with her about how, when you pick a flower, it dies it might be prettier longer if we left it in the ground. Is it important that we need to pick this one? That kind of thing. Um, but it's not really connecting. And that's probably, it's probably just early days for that. But I would love your insight on how you had that conversation with your, with your kiddos. I have a collector also. I have a fetishist. Um, mm -hmm. Both of them, really. I have, I have twins. They're nine years old now. But when they were, well, from the time they were about two, they were all about collecting nature parcels. And the conversation that I started having with them was to ask the nature item if it wanted to come with them, if it wanted to leave its home and come with them. And most of the time, you know, they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure it does. But every now and then they would say, no, no, it really doesn't. And I don't, I don't want to take it away from its family. And so that was really relatable for a while. Well, then they got older and they got taller and they would pull the leaves off trees and, you know, things that were, they were doing just fine until my child came along. And so then the conversation became more of, you know, we look for things that are given. If, we're go if we feel like we have to bring anything inside, it needs to have already been offered. It means it's lying on the ground. You don't get to pull it off. You don't get to pick it for yourself. If it's still attached, it hasn't been offered to you. And so that, that's been the most recent dialogue. Um, generally speaking, that habit of needing to collect things, this is for me, 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 only me, my special relationship to this stick, to this rock or, you know, feather or whatever. I think just, it really appeals to human fetishism. How do you say that? Yeah. How do you say that for real? <laughs> fetishism? <laughs> yeah, it's fetishism. Yes, thank you. It, it just appeals to that kind of quasi OCD must have it. It's mine sort of drive. And the reality is 
one, you know, you, we talked about this, but you can get arrested for possession of feathers in this country, different kinds of feathers. And I think, right. Brandy, you put some information up about that on our website. But just in general, do you really need to have everything? Do you need to collect yeah. everything in order to maintain the connection to it? Mm-hmm. And even if you need it for a little while, you could put it back. Yeah. And I that's one reason I... Um, I had mixed feelings initially about the whole painted rock thing where, you know, people, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have this near you, but people paint rocks and um, leave little messages and hashtags on them and then leave them to be found in other places. And you can connect with the artist and all that stuff. And, um, but it feels in that zone for me of like, if you take the rock with some intention, you're, you know, adorning it in some way, and then you're leaving it as a gift for someone else. It's, it's less, it bothers me less than the whole, I need to hoard, you know, I pre- I'm pretty sure my child would have a, you know, five gallon bucket of rocks in her room. And oh yeah. She was like, and she gets it from me. I, I mean, I'm totally, I was that kid too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I think back on it, I, you know, it's just, I had so much outdoor nature available to me. And I think the other thing I want to impress on her is that we can always go back outside and visit it again you know you don't have to take it with you to see it again maybe and maybe it'll look different you know if you leave the flower in the ground and it hasn't bloomed if we come back and visit it tomorrow it might look different that kind of thing so and I like I like the distinction of asking I I know that she's going to say yes of course but I (laughs) if I frame it like oh this but this is like a little family of rocks and this rock has its place Mm-hmm. and do you know I, I think she would maybe understand that a little bit better I like I think that it, yeah I think it gives him a little bit more um compassionate connection and and it fosters their empathy I mean it, you're not cutting her off you're not shutting her down about it but it it fosters her empathy for you to say well check in with it it has feelings too and yeah. maybe it wants to stay with its family yeah I like that I do too. That's a great way of relating. And honestly, it's how I hand, I mean, I sometimes bring nature, you know, outdoor nature inside. Um, but I, you know, I just check myself. I pause. Sometimes I literally ask and I, I'm, you know, I ask myself why I want to take it from where it is and ask how important that is. And then feel out whether that's something I deserve to do kind of it doesn't even have to be about you know hey tree can I have this branch or piece of bark I can what is my intention and do I need it badly enough to alter the other thing well that's getting to know yourself better too yeah which is really a wonderful thing one of the things about stones that um, I see a lot here is that well people will make these balancing statues of Mm -hmm. stones Mm-mm. and that that bothers me <laughs> yeah. I know there's a reason behind it I know that but I'm still thinking oh those little bugs you know that that was their home and now mm-hmm. it's like their home is up in the air when it used to be on the ground I think the reason is art and yeah. perhaps just human intervention I mean I hear people saying this is sculpture this is art and sure it's pretty it's really pretty but they don't stop and think that they're damaging ecosystems in the process and they stay damaged Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you do that in streams, like you can alter the course of streams. You can, I mean, it's not as benign, even in a small Mm 
frame of, you know, doing that. It's, it's not benign. Yeah. The piling of the stones. Um, I'll see if I can find a good link on, I follow a park ranger, I think on Instagram who posted a really good, like, here are all of the reasons this is a very poor idea. Leave your rocks where they are. And it brings us to that point of ownership. We don't own anything. No. That's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a big mouthful. And the other day I was thinking, I'm going out on a limb here and saying, there's no such thing as personal pronouns because we don't own it. Mm-hmm. And that just really threw me down the rabbit hole. Um, I, I got out of the rabbit hole and maybe I need to revisit it, but not today. Mm-hmm. That has always driven me nuts when, when, I don't know, yes, a whole other rabbit hole, but yes, the whole personal pro, the possessive pronoun thing just, yes. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, even these physical bodies, like they're on lease, man, we got to give them back. We're well, going to yeah. be food for something later. Yeah. I remember when I was growing up my, and I don't know where this came from, but when I was growing up, when my mother would get really angry, she would speak in the plural, like her whole tense would shift to plural. And so, I, I mean, I just thought everybody did that. And I learned as you I, know, I started learning other languages that other languages do the same thing. Emphasis becomes, well, at least the like romance languages, French, Spanish, they, they tend to shift into a plural when they're speaking emphatically. And I, w- I went to college doing that and people would look at me like, you know, what, what that, what are you, who are you, what, who are you talking about? And now um, I, I see that as part of the detachment. I mean, I, I see that as part of the stepping back from ownership and just this, you know, this is all connected. This is impacting everyone and we need to talk about this. Yeah. Well, there's an element of like, I, I don't want to say it with authority just as myself. So I'm going to grab the authority of like the collective to, to sort of be more impactful in saying it. We don't do that. And it's like, well, you don't do that. I mean, it's useful, I think. In, I mean, I do it. I didn't even think about it. I think it's probably useful in ways, but yeah, it probably is also not helpful or not authentic in other ways. Not in, not in our culture. Right. Right. So we're, we're right around 20, 25 minutes. Um, what would we each say is maybe a, a pretty one-on-one easy to do over the next week way to jump into an intentional animistic existence? Note where the sun rises in your house. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's, that's one place that I've started with my kids, you know, like, Mm -hmm. let's see where the sun rises and just start there. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that tell you about yourself? What does it tell you about your day? Mm -hmm. Notice the bird sounds around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say walk around if, if you are in a place where you can go for a walk the same time every evening, like pick a time of day and take a, you know, even a five minute walk or sit out on your stoop for five minutes, whatever you can do and just pay attention to what, how it looks different even from day to day and what is, what is surrounding you. Good stuff. It yeah. is. It is. All right. 
Well, thanks, you too. This was really fun. Yes, thank you. I'll put a little outro with uh, info on our websites and everything, and I will see you two next week. Thank you so Take much. Care. This was lovely. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.